welcome to Here to Thrive. I'm your host, Kate Snowwise. This is a podcast for people who are ready to step up and live a happier life. It's for those of us who are dedicated to understanding ourselves and getting the best that we can out of this thing called life. It's a mix of psychology and modern spiritual thought, always with a focus on practical advice so that you can take it back and apply it to your own life. I don't believe we're here to merely survive. I truly believe we're here to thrive. So let's get going. Today, I'm joined on the podcast by best-selling author, Amy Lee McCree. Amy is a spiritual guru, as you'll learn from this podcast. She's a medical intuitive who tunes into a person's spirit guides to bring through the guidance they need, and also an expert on chakras. She's modern and cool, but also deeply connected to her intuitive gifts and the spiritual side of life. Amy has written a bunch of books, including The Spiritual Girl's Guide to Dating, Your Enlightened Path to Love, Sex, and Soulmates, A Little Bit of Chakras, Joyful Living, and her brand new book, The Chakras and Crystal Cookbook, is going to be available from tomorrow. I had a great deal of fun recording this podcast with Amy. I'm sure you will hear my enthusiasm in my voice as you listen. I was learning as much as I hope that many of you will when talking with Amy. I know very little about chakras, so I found this incredibly insightful, and I hope you do too. Amy, thank you so much for joining me here today on the Here to Thrive podcast. It's so wonderful to be here, Kate. Thank you so much for having me. I would love if you could start off with just telling us about you. How can you tell us your story, Amy? How did you end up where you are today as an intuitive and an author? Sure. Um, Well, I I was born a little bit different than the average kid. I was connected to the spirits of nature in my yard from an early age. So I think I was kind of born with that propensity And when I was in college, I sought help from um, several medical intuitives because I had some health issues. And it really opened me up to what I had basically already been doing, but a new way of seeing it. And then I connected with a Native American style medicine woman and began to train with her. And I started working as what at the time I called a multidimensional healer, but was really a medical intuitive and someone who shares soul guidance from your spirit guides um, when I was 23 years old. So I've been doing it for a really long time. And it's my, my work as an author sprang out of that because I had so many clients who asked for my first book, uh, the, the inspiration for my first book, The Spiritual Girl's Guide to Dating, so many clients who asked about their love lives. And so that book was kind of a compilation of everything I wanted to tell all of those people, which was primarily to love themselves and work on themselves and that lasting love would follow. And I'm very excited The Spiritual Girl's Guide to Dating turns five years old 
next year in 2017. And we are releasing an expanded anniversary edition of that too. Oh, that is so cool. Mm -hmm. Did you, so you grew up in the States. Did you have a fairly typical American childhood or? Kind of. I had kind of a suburban childhood and we had, um, I grew up in New England and we had a, a yard that was kind of big. So like we, we played outside and, you know, we had the woods around the house and stuff. So in that way, I, I had a um, pretty severe learning disabilities as a child, which I think are a function of having a, a brain that's wired a little bit differently. But um, so I had a great childhood of awesome parents of a great family, a really nice brother and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> school was a little bit of a challenge at times. So I think I had probably a relatively typical childhood. I think most kids have challenges of some sort. And so that that's where mine were. I agree. I think that none of us get through childhood without something. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned as a child, though, you were already really connected to spirit on some levels. Can you talk to us more about that? Sure. I had these, these things in the yard and, you know, I need to ask my brother if I ever t talked to him about it. He was five years younger, and we, we would play outside, and we would dig this this thing that we called the stream, which was like water. We ran water out of the side of the house because we had a well. It wasn't a time of water conservation back then. Um, and we would dig the stream, and we did it for many years. And in the stream, I always had these, these things I saw that I called nature sparkles. And... Um, so that was kind of my version of that. And I always, you know, saw like the energy of the trees, for example, you know, the aura around like the trees in our yard and things like that. And I just, I think I thought everybody saw those things. I was going to so say, did you just think that it was completely normal? So you didn't yeah. even think to question it? Exactly. I, I didn't. I thought everybody saw those things and. Combine that with, you know, I'm, I'm a very imaginative person in general, including childhood and now. So, you know, I used to do a lot of storytelling, essentially, as a child, like taking the neighborhood kids through the yard and, you know, pretending that the Native American Hiawatha used to live there and taking them on a tour and all these different things. So I would imagine if I did talk about these other things because I had very loving parents, perhaps they just thought that was another aspect of the imaginative side. Yeah, I can see how that would happen. Mm -hmm. So when did you really recognize that you had these strong intuitive abilities? I think when I was um, 18, I took a Reiki class and later went on to become a Reiki master teacher as well. But that was really what what showed me because it it always it came relatively easily to me to talk to spirit and you know that's that's a skill I've honed to what's perfection for me as a as a medical intuitive and a healer because that's what I do I talk to people's spirit guides in a really efficient manner. Um, but when I when I took that first Reiki class, I realized that 
none of this was new. It was what I had been doing. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of became about confirming the stuff that you already knew in a formal sense. Yeah. And when I was in high school, you know, I was like probably the typical American suburban-ish. We did go to high school in the city, but, you know, it was still kind of a suburban thing. The typical experience. So I was focused on friends and, you know, being cool and boys and all the usual stuff. But um, I was also really always since childhood and through through now, but through high school, very focused on what existed beyond earth and the science of that and the imaginative nature of what might exist. So I think I was always connected beyond the, the reality we see in here. I can totally relate to that. I was a very um, interested teen, like in all of that kind of stuff. And, and I refer to it as the, the things I couldn't see, but I was mm-hmm. fascinated. So I feel you on that. Yeah. So can you tell me about your life now as a medical intuitive and what exactly that is for those of us who may sure. not completely understand that kind of term? Sure. So I, I talk with people, spirit guides. And so I, in a typical session, I'll identify what guides have shown up to talk to you. And sometimes those are life guides, which are guides that have been with you since birth and will stay with you until you end your time incarnated. It's actually till after they help you transition out of your body too. Um, so, so I'll talk to whatever guides are present, identify them. And then from there, um, we ask that whatever is for the highest and best interest of the client come through. So if it is something medical, we're often identifying the mental and emotional causes for a physical ailment, or we're identifying mental, emotional, or spiritual causes of an ailment that hasn't yet manifested. So then we don't have to have our physical body communicate it. Additionally, besides that medical intuitive side, I do a lot of soul guidance work, which is basically talking to your guides about whatever you have questions about and finding out what they specifically have to share with you for your highest good. It could be about your love life. Like I mentioned from my dating book, it could be about your career. It could be about the place you live. It could be about your spiritual life. Um, it could really be about anything. So it's a really exciting job because I get to see the amazing scope of people's guides, lives and experiences including a lot of times their ancestors and deceased relatives too. So we have all kinds of really beautiful messages that are often shared. I am so fascinated by this type of work. Would you be what other people might sometimes refer to as a clairvoyant, Amy? Mm-hmm. But you don't yeah, use that term the, yourself? Uh, it's, well, I, no, I mean, I guess I could. <laughs> <laughs> It's also uh, clairaudience and um, clairsentience, I think. Right, which is the the clear sort of seeing and hearing. Uh Yeah. And it's also very spatial for me. So it's about um, where in this 
third dimensional reality, the guide or the spirit is oriented. So how they're interfacing from expanded reality with this reality. So where they are spatially in relation to the person is also, um, it gives me information as well. So interesting. (laughs) Do you do these (laughs) sessions over Skype? How do you do them? I do. I do Skype and the phone and occasionally in person, you know, if somebody's around. Um, But typically Skype and we usually have the video on so we can see each other if people like. Some some of my clients love to use the phone, I think, also because then they don't have to be on a computer. They can be outside or something like that. Very cool. Mm -hmm. I would love to know a little bit more about our spirit guides. And I'm sure if I would like to know more, then other people would too. Can you just tell us a little bit more about what kind of guides we have in life? You mentioned the life guide that sort of sticks with us. What other types of guides do we have? So we have one or more life guides. Some people have many. Um, We also have guides that come in for specific times in our lives, like for example, children often have helpful guides. Um, I was a teacher for eight years, and so I was around a lot of children as well. Um, and that was really cool because children have some pretty fun guides around. Oh, I, I, I once nannied for a, a, young, uh, a young lady who was preschool age, and she had some guides around her that would rile her up at bedtime uh, for fun. You know, I mean, it was very <laughs> loving and fun. But as a nanny, I was like, oh, come on, you guys, Re- let's relax here. All the guides and the kids. So, um, so different times of life have different types of guides. There are guides that will specialize in certain types of things. One of the key groups of guides that I work with are the archangels and the archangels, uh, my, my information from them, my take on them is that they have been with humanity since it started and they will remain with humanity till it ends. And furthermore, they've been with the earth, the being who is the earth since that being incarnated in this planetary body. So, um, so those guides are, are really concerned with helping us, like alleviating suffering, comforting us, making our lives better, and also serving the evolution of light and love on the planet. And as we can see in different uh, instances all over the globe, there are places or situations of friction that are mirroring back the shadow side of humanity and the archangels are really helping us to in greater and greater quantity, choose the light. So those, so there's some of like my, I don't know. I kind of think of them as like my BFFs. <laughs> I love that. I hang out with them a lot. <laughs> I'm just feeling that love and light. I've just, I'm, a little, yeah. I'm almost away in a daydream as we talk about this. I'm oh, just, um, yeah, really feeling the energy of our discussion. Talking about angels versus guides, do you, do you see them as the same kind of thing? Because this, this is a question I've always kind of had, and I feel like different people have different answers. So I'm interested in your take on that. I see them as the same. So to me, there are an infinite number of types of guides and 
they're everything from elementals, fairy folk, angels, archangels, goddesses, deities, planetary healers, ascended masters, Elohim, star beings. I mean, there's just everything we can think of, animal spirit guides, everything we can think of, and so much more. And to the category of guide, I think, is like a great like top heading, and then there's all these subheadings. And I do think some of them have different qualities, but I've also learned in my work over the last 15 or so years that sometimes an angel's also incarnated as a human and a plant and a star being and a goddess. They can be just like us, many things at once, and and we're all really all things. And in some ways, we're all in the same being, too. So so I think guides is a great top heading. I, I don't prescribe to hierarchies in, in the life or the world of spirit. So I, I think the only differentiation is gradation and vibration. And, of course, we, we do want to focus on higher vibration because of the types of things that we want in our lives, like love and light and things like that. But even to the point where I'm, I try to have a stance that there's no judgment for me around vibration. I may choose to seek a higher vibration, but it's just as valid for beings and situations that are playing out that are lower vibrational because there's some reason why those beings have chosen that experience. That makes sense to me. So would you say that those who are in a lower vibration are choosing that for their personal growth? Maybe, you know, I mean, is it about growth? (laughs) It's the big question, but I think they're, they're choosing it as an expression of totality. And I think in, in this dimension, we call it duality for a reason. It's, it's the denseness of the physical and the light of the spiritual together in one dimension. And I think it's a unique spot. And whereas, excuse me, in higher dimensions, the vibration is higher, it's more light based, and there's less density, which kind of translates into less physical matter. Here, it's kind of a unique place. And so I hope that there's a way for this dimension, which would be our whole universe of physicality, you know, multiverse, really. I hope there's a way for this dimension to come to a place of high vibration and so to be experiencing those positive vibrations in duality. I don't personally know how that could happen and if it will, but, but so I don't necessarily think it's, it could be for individual soul growth, but it may also just be the gradation of the spectrum of vibration because this is a uniquely physical dimension. That is so interesting. (laughs) So interesting. Good. What differentiates an intuitive person from the rest of us sort of normal folk? Or do we all have some level of spiritual and intuitive capability? I think every single person could do what I do. 
everybody is intuitive and we have different you know levels of it that we're aware of and just like any other skill it takes practice to learn to speak a different language or you know to to learn to play a musical instrument or be a classical painter it just takes practice to learn to use your non-physical and intuitive skills very cool so you're very well practiced i like that yeah i mean i've really cultivated over the years i i taught shamanism i've taught so many things i've i've really had an intensive life of self-study directly from my guides and so I've cultivated a way that works best as far as when I work with people individually. But there's so many ways to do the same work. Awesome. As well as working one-on-one with people, Amy, you've written quite a number of books now. And there is one that's about to come out very soon, right? Yes, December 10th. And that is the Chakras and Crystals Cookbook. Yes. Can you tell me all about this book? I'm fascinated and excited. To. I would love to. So this this book was born out of um, a, a book that I wrote with my husband that came out uh, June 2016 called A Little Bit of Chakras, and it, it's a bestseller and it's a it's a really fun book all you know about your chakras, which are the energy centers in your body based upon uh, Hindu traditions originally. And some of that's been appropriated by the Western world. So, um, you know, I when the book came out, I I love to juice. Like I'm really into juicing and creating smoothies and sorbets and things like that. Like I, I'm not really into cooking with heat, but I like preparing fun foods basically. Um, and there was so many wonderful ideas as far as recipes that were coming to me that would correspond to the chakras. So I decided to collate that into a cookbook based upon uh, a a juice, a smoothie or sorbet, a salad, and then a herbal crystal infusion for each chakra. So you can use this cookbook to, it has tons of introductory information about chakras, crystals, what they are, how to use them, all that stuff. And then it helps you to look at, okay, so here are the things if I was, if I'm trying to become more confident, I want to, for example, bolster my solar plexus chakra. So you have four awesome recipes. Each recipe also has an affirmation with it. So you make your, your solar plexus juice, your solar plexus smoothie or salad or herbal and crystal infusion and say the affirmation and you you bring eating and nurturing and fueling yourself into uh, into a becoming a conscious spiritual practice interesting that sounds <laughs> really fun i'm a bit of a rookie when it comes to chakras so would you be able to run through our chakras and how many we have, what they kind of correspond to, because you also have an online course around chakras, don't you? I do. I have a rock your chakras online course. And I also have on my site, when you uh, sign up for my emails, you get a daily chakra balancing challenge. That is something you can run through just like this actually, and use to tune up your chakras real quick. 
I also have a really fun uh, MP3 called Shine Your Chakras that does that too. So if you want to listen to it. So all kinds of fun stuff. Um, okay, so so there's seven traditional main chakras and then there's also upper and lower chakras and then you also have minor chakras or energy centers in your hands your feet most of the joints in your body so we'll kind of just maybe run through the main ones that would be Um, great those are the ones people are most familiar with yeah well actually i'll throw a few other ones in so this sounds fun (laughs) you have the um the earth star chakra which is about three feet below you So that's before chakra one, there's the earth star (laughs) and the earth star is really about being, um, rooted, not so much rooted like the first chakra, but connected to the earth and it helps, excuse me, it helps with issues of being incarnated on this planet, which is kind of um, it's a journey, you know, it's, it's about the earth and instability. Okay. So, and it, and it connects you with some of your past incarnations. <clears throat> so next you have, um, at the base of your spine, your root chakra, which is traditionally red and that earth star, star chakra is kind of brown, uh, maroonish brown. So that red chakra is right at the base of your spine. And I also kind of think of it as the, the chakras in your feet is being comparable to they can be red. Um, and that root chakra is all about being grounded, being protected and being secure in the world survival. Then you have your sacral chakra, which is located in your lower abdomen and that's about your creative ability, essentially. And it's your sexuality, your reproduction, and exp- opening to possibilities and new experiences and the idea of pleasure. Then you have your solar plexus chakra, which is located above your belly button and below your sternum. So kind of in there. And that's traditionally thought to be yellow. And that's all about self-confidence and inner strength in the exchange and wielding of power. Then you have your heart chakra, which is located in the center of your chest. And that's all about love, compassion. It, it does have some to do with romance, but also family love, friend love, loving kindness, loving the earth. It's, you know, love and open-heartedness, hence why we call it open-heartedness. Then you have your, and and that's typically green or pink in people. Although I will interject that all of these colors, in my opinion, are really variable. These are kind of like the suggested colors, but some people's chakras are like totally different colors. So it's more of a suggestion of an idea about the energy center. Then you have your throat chakra, which is in the center of your throat and neck. And that's all about um, clearly communicating and, and speaking your truth and speaking with integrity. And it also is about um, 
listening, you know, and, and so hearing and speaking and sharing your truth, like honesty, then you have your third eye chakra, which is located in your forehead between your brows. That's um, known to be indigo. The throat chakra is known to be blue, sometimes turquoise. And so the third eye chakra is all about um, being intuitive and psychic. And that's also associated with creative problem solving. And then you have your crown chakra at the top of your head. I think it's typically white. For some people, it's also violet. And that's about enlightenment and your direct connection to divinity and cosmic energy. And it's a place of spiritual connection. And then from there, you have chakras above your head as well. So cool. I That was such a great rundown, Amy. Yes, Thank you so much. You. No problem. What is the benefit to having our chakras sort of balanced? Is that the right word, balanced or aligned? Or how, yeah. would you, how would you communicate around what we want to be doing with our chakras? Yeah, I think you, you kind of want to think about your body has all these rivers of energy in it. And some people, like in Chinese medicine, they're meridians and things like that. So there's all these rivers of energy. And then there's kind of like one core channel. And that's the from the top of your head down, the, down your spine to the base of your spine. That's where your chakras are centered. And um, for them to be balanced, they need to be flowing. So... And some people they spin and some people they pulse and some people they're more like a fluid river with pools, you know, that feed into each other. Everybody has a medical intuitive, <laughs> the, the only hard and fast rule is everybody's different, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so you want to think about your chakras in a free flowing and empowered state and you also want to make sure you're thinking about them centered in your body front to back because I think sometimes people focus only on the front and then they neglect the back when they're wanting to like empower a chakra so you want to feel that it's like a an orb of light that's perfectly centered so sometimes for example if people are working on heart opening because they've been hurt they are working the front, but they forget that the back part of the heart chakra is all locked up. So you have to just work work on both sides. Um, so as far as balancing your chakras, it's, it's uh, really helpful to engage in physical exercise. Anything from dancing to running, if you're outside, that balances your chakras. Sea salt baths are really good at clearing dense energy that might be clinging to your energy body or chakras, and that lets you realign. Um, walking barefoot on the earth is really, really good for making sure that you're rooted in this dimension because if you're kind of out of your body and not really present, there's really no point in doing that while you're incarnated. Um, <laughs> so those are some of the ways. And you can obviously grab my daily chakra balancing challenge, which is free on my site. And then you can go through my more thought out 
tips. <laughs> Sounds good. And I'm assuming having written a cookbook around the chakras, that's another way that we can support our chakras is like yes. you said, through like nutrition and yes. what we eat and, and the affirmations and messages we're sending our body. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, when we, when we do something like that, when we make uh, for example, like the heart chakra mint green juice. That's one of the recipes. When we make that juice and we say that affirmation, we're, we're empowering the chakra and we're also giving our, our body, our mind and our heart the message that we're worthy of time and energy. So we're, we're affirming that we're caring for ourselves. And, and that's really what it's all about is self-care. For all of us, you know, in an increasingly fast-paced world, we must continue to prioritize self-care. I am so with you on that one, Amy. It's a, a big component of my work. And a lot of the listeners, I'm sure, probably met me through my self-care challenge. So uh -huh. I am a big believer in self-care. I definitely think we need more of it. We've lost touch a little too much, I think. Mm -hmm. I think so. The cooking and the chakras, I'm fascinated by that. But you also released another book this year called Joyful Living, and I have that one. And it Yay. is so full of wisdom. I just love it, Amy. Can, can you tell the listeners about that one? Because it's not focused on on chakras so much, is it? Right. No, it's not. It's um that That book was born out of the fact that one of the things I've learned as a medical intuitive is – Joy is the highest vibration in the known universe, and it has a unique ability to heal our bodies as well as our minds, hearts, and spirits. And so I wrote Joyful Living to really create a practical guide that could be used for daily joy. Because if I could give every client and probably every person, including myself, one prescription, it would be to take the time to commit to experiencing daily joy. That's the single most valuable thing you can do to raise your vibration and thereby improve your life and better your health. So um, that is why I wrote Joyful Living. And it's very exciting to me to have it out there. I feel like I want to do one of like Oprah's tweetable moments when you were just talking about, can you just reiterate that point that if there's only one thing that we do? Yes. Yeah. Every, every day commitment to having a joyful experience of some sort will drastically and unequivocally better your health and improve your life. Oh, I am so feeling that. I'm so feeling that, Amy. <laughs> What is so beautiful about your book, Joyful Living, is I feel like it's 101, I think of them as lessons, but how do you talk about them? I just call them chapters or, or you know, 101 ways That's right. to experience joy. Yeah. What I love about it is you can literally just turn, open that book and just look through the chapter titles and just see whatever speaks to you and find this dose of inspiration and you've got affirmations in that book too which I find so empowering it's just it's a it is a joyful book yay yeah I just wanted it to be something where we could open it up and read a little bit have an affirmation and do a, a relatively quick activity you know to just 
experience different types of joy too. Yeah, I love that. And it really is. Most of those lessons are sort of a, a page or two. So it only takes a second to read. But I've, I've found just reading the book is bringing me a lot of joy. So Yay. thank you for that. I'm so excited you like it. With all of those 101 pieces of sort of joyful advice, do you have any that immediately come to mind or any favorites for yourself? Two come to mind. So the chapter two, I think it's called Living Joy. It has like a pretty simple title. And it has a meditation where you have like a joy party with these particles of joy in your body. That's a technique I've used with clients for at least 10 years, shared by my guides. And it's it's uniquely effective. And um, my friend, best-selling author, Dr. Lori Nadell, who wrote Unlocking Your Sixth Sense back in the 90s, um, as well as many other wonderful books subsequently, used that process in conjunction with meditation and mindfulness to heal her uterine fibroids. And she wrote a journal article about it. So it's exciting to me to share that because I think anybody who needs do-it-yourself medical intuitive healing, do that exercise. I mean, that's like, if you did that every day, you would be raising your vibration so much. Um, So that one jumps out. And then I also like, for me, kind of the craft one. So I have one in there. I think it's like you make this golden ticket for, um, I opened to that page today. No, I just (laughs) opened to it today. Just before we got on the call. I'm like, that's freaky. (laughs) That's funny. I I like that one because it's just kind of quirky. You know, it's a little bit of a play on the Willy Wonka thing, but it's like you literally cut a ticket, uh, a golden ticket out of construction paper. (laughs) Like it's a tangible and fun representation of joy. So I I like that one for myself. Very cool. I think that is so great that just before we got on the phone call, that's the one I opened to. Of of course it is. You got to make it. Apparently I've had two messages in one day. I'm going to make my golden ticket this afternoon. Definitely. (laughs) <laughs> look I asked you should send me a picture of it too, I, okay. I want to see what it looks like all right I promise <laughs> now I have I've got now I've got accountability around it as well okay everybody I will post a picture of my golden ticket with the podcast okay so you can all see my golden ticket yeah. done everyone Amy that comes on the podcast I ask the same questions and you are no different so these are kind of like my fun fire get to know you a little bit better kind of questions. So I'm going to launch in. Great. Are you a morning person or a night person? I'm totally a night person, which is definitely another chagrin of my morning person husband. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How does that work? I'm fascinated now. I think we go, we each go in the direction of one another. (laughs) Like I, I go to bed earlier and he stays up later basically. And you, and you balance each other out. That's brilliant. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What do your mornings look like? Are you, are you slow to wake? Uh, kind of. I'm nowadays I'm pretty busy, so I'm just need to start working. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, I usually give myself like half an hour to just kind of like wake up and read a little bit and then, uh, you know, 
starting with emails and all that type of stuff. And then then get on with the real world stuff. When do you typically do your writing? Do you do it at night? Usually during the day, if I'm, if I have a deadline, so I work really well with the deadline. So even if it's self-imposed, so if I have a deadline, then I'll do that in the morning because that's the, the mid to late morning is when I know I'll be the most productive. I try to not leave. If I'm on deadline, I try to not leave it till the afternoon because then I may have some attentional issues, which it's somebody with learning disabilities and ADHD I'm prone to. So I have a lot of strategies that I use to get stuff done. To control that. I feel you. I, I'm not a morning person, but I, my prime productivity hours are definitely like that mid to late morning to early afternoon. So that's that's when I get my best work done too. Mm-hmm. What's currently sitting on your nightstand next to your bed? That's a fun question. I have, um, I'm rereading this book I love called Garden Spells by Sarah Addison Allen. It's a novel. It's kind of like a, it's like a Southern novel about this family who has um, kind of magical powers from the plants in their garden. So it's like this really fun, it's kind of a girly book, although I think both genders would like it. It's relaxing. It's nothing too action packed or anything. Um, so that's there. And then I have um, a disc man CD player that I had to order. I feel very retro. A disc man. Can you still get those? <laughs> yeah, I've got one on Amazon. Um, Cause I don't really like to have the phone in the bedroom, but I like to listen to the, you know, those Oprah and Deepak Chopra meditations. Yes, I do. I like to listen to those. So I have, like, I bought the CDs and I listened to the CDs. They made them in CDs. I'm even impressed that they made them in CD for me. I know. I better get the rest of them before they stop. You are so retro. This is not your I generation. Know. No, I'm, and you know, I'm, I'm super not like that during the day, but I just can't have the phone in there. So, so that's there. And then I think there's um, some lavender oil. And Highlands uh, Calms Forte. If I'm stressed out or tired, I take that a little bit. Homeopathic. Oh, I'm such a lavender oil girl. So I, mm-hmm. I have that on my office desk, though. It's not by my bed. See, it's amazing what you can learn about people with these questions. That's a really cool question because I bet everybody has a pretty different answer. Yeah. I haven't heard mm-hmm. Discman before. That That's going to go down in history. I'm so impressed. <laughs> okay. So what is your favorite self-care activity, Amy? Um, I think probably swimming and mostly currently that's swimming in the pool. I used to live in Hawaii and it would be swimming in the ocean, but um, swimming in the pool and, and even though it's exercise when I go rollerblading. I find that very self-care like because it's fun. What is your favorite book? Have you got one from all of the books you've read? I love books. Let me just tell you, I have probably a list of a hundred. But I think in the, in the self, like self improvement, self-care Thing one of my really all-time favorite books is *The Untethered Soul* by Michael Singer. I haven't read that one. It's so so good, and it's it's relaxing. Actually, I think that is 
that may also be on my nightstand too, because I read that sometimes over and over before bed because I just like read part of it before bed because it's so relaxing. Um, so yeah, that's one of my favorites and I have a lot of favorite books. Adventures for Your Soul by our, our good friend Shannon Kaiser. Emma Milden's Soul Searcher's Handbook's really fun. So many good books. I, I've had Emma on the podcast and I have convinced Shannon to come on next year. So we'll get Yay. to hear more from Shannon. She's a good friend of mine and Amy's. So I'm excited to have her on here. They're both awesome. Yeah. Definitely. Amy, do you have this question is a little bit random. Do you have a favorite mistake or detour in life? Mistake may not That's be the right word, but like a detour you took. Um, you know, that's a really interesting question. This is kind of a funny, this is kind of a funny answer, but, um, and you, I'll preface this, preface this by people who've lived on Maui. I wonder what percentage of them it's this. Cause people always say something brings you to the island. Um, I think I wouldn't call it a mistake, but somebody that I dated made me choose to live there, I think. And then it was really that maybe fell by the wayside eventually, but it was really positive to, to live there and to get to live on an Island. So, so in tune with nature, so close to the ocean and just, you know, make so many amazing friends and I haven't lived there for like 10 years. It's been a long time, but, um, to make so many amazing friends that are lifelong friends and, and just have that experience. So something had to get you to Maui basically. Yeah. I mean, I had, I had gone there, but I would have gone back. Right. So, yeah. So that was the so, thing that made you stay. I love it. Yeah, it's a perfect little was. distraction so, to get you on your life course. I know. And there are so many women who say that's what got them there. Oh my so. my. I think every woman could tell tell a story <laughs> like that, right? In fact, most of the um most of the answers to that question have involved a boyfriend of some sort right. on this oh podcast. You're not the only one. <laughs> uh, what is one thing in your day you can't do without? It's a really good question. Um gosh. Some not every day but I cannot do without missing my Zumba classes because I really need to spaz out a couple I love times it. a week. <laughs> so you feel better if you can like really move? Yeah, and just because it's fun too. You know, it's fun music and I have ton, like tons of friends there and everybody's like hooting and hollering and, you know, it's like jumping up and down for an hour basically. It's, I have never done a Zumba class, but one of my recent co coaching clients was saying how desperately she needed to get back into it because she said it's like she was really social person. And she said her Zumba classes were like going to a nightclub every time. That's the same That's kind exactly of fix what she it's got. Like. She's like, it's like a healthy version of going to a party. <laughs> it's exactly what it's like. It's like a nightclub with no smoking, no yeah. drinking. It's not dark and no no guys hitting on you anyway. Yeah. There might be a few guys in there, but nothing too uh, – all the good parts of a nightclub, dancing with your friends basically. That's what she was saying. She's like, yeah. just my soul feels happy after I've just like danced Me away. Me too. So how would you describe the soul? So to me the soul is the 
the part of yourself that's behind your personality like and actually in the untethered soul the author really describes this better than I will but um but to me it's like the part of us that's speaking and talking or even like when you're by yourself and you're thinking in your in your mind your mind's thinking behind that there's just an observing presence that's to me is your real self and that's your soul and it's eternal like it's here now but then it's it'll do something else when you're not here oh, i agree with that i totally mm-hmm. agree with that answer oh, so that was the end of those questions yeah I would love to go back and talk a little bit more about spirit guides. And I wonder, have you got any sort of advice on how we can maybe get in touch with our own guides or facilitate that communication with them? Absolutely. I think that's the, that's really the single most important thing that I can share. And I'm actually working on a book about that right now too. Oh, I'm sure that one will be a bestseller too. Stay tuned. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love to to take people sometimes in my sessions if there's a particular guide that's working with them. I take people through an exercise. So I'll I'll share this exercise with you and I'll suggest that people just do it with Archangel Michael because we, you know, all know that being or or any other guide that you feel that you already know and and trust. Um so you basically take the palms of your hands and you can put them in your lap, but really a little bit higher face up and hold them out. And, and you invite whatever guide you say, like Archangel Michael, I now invite you to hover your spirit hands over mine. And then you just kind of, you can be kind of meditating or like sitting comfortably. And then you just feel the exchange of energy between your palms and the spirit palms of whatever guide you're connecting with. And that's just a really nice way to begin to feel the presence of a, of a guide. It's kind of like a flavor, you know, it's like you can differentiate the flavor between peach and nectarine mm-hmm. or plum and blueberry or something. I was thinking about the cookbook cause that's all in there. <laughs> um, and it's kind of like that, like you, you place your hands out and allow a guide that you trust to, connect and then you can say hello and thank them for being there and just hang out meditate together or if you have questions you can say you know I'm I'm wondering about this or could you help me with x y or z and then just sit in a receptive state and wait for a response and then when that feels complete you can talk back and forth in whatever way you're able and then make sure you thank them and then you disconnect with them from within what you were doing. So you kind of say, I now disconnect from Archangel Michael as needed for my highest good. And then you'll feel that guide step back. I love how you make sort of modern spirituality really practical. I kind of appreciate that. Thank you. Is there anything else you would like to leave us with today? Um, or have some joy. Have some joy. <laughs> I think that's have it, some right? joy every day. That was totally my tweetable moment. I'm like, oh, prioritize joy. 
I love yeah. that. Yeah, it's important. We talked about so many different things in there. I'm still surprised at how much we managed to jam into that period of time. If you'd like to know more about Amy, you can visit her at her website. And that is amyleemccree.com. That's spelled A-M-Y-L-E-I-G-H-M-E-R-C-R-E-E.com. You could also just search Amy Lee Medical Intuitive and I'm sure she'll come up as well. Or you can check the show notes to find spelling or links directly to her site. You can also jump over to my website, www.thrive.how forward slash podcast 24. That's the word podcast and number 24. And all of the relevant links we've talked about in here will be there too. Amy mentioned some of her new books, Joyful Living and the Crystal and Chakras Cookbook. I'll link to both of those in the show notes as well so you can find them. Finally, Amy also mentioned she has a Chakras course online. If you'd like to know more about that, you can find that over at her website as well. I've had another great week. It's such an honor to be able to interview some of my favorite authors. If you appreciated our conversation, I would so love if you could pop into iTunes right now and leave me a little review. Just helps this podcast get seen amongst so many out there. I appreciate every one of you and thank you for showing up and sharing some of your time with us today. Have a great week, Thrivers. Thrivers.